Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Hey Horka on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. My name is Darren Pritchett. From Sports Radio 960 WSBT in South Bend, I'm joined by the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka. I guess before we start talking football, happy Thanksgiving to all the people out there watching, and Tyler, you as well. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, Darren. But if I knew you were going to be wearing a Cardinals shirt, then I would have swapped out the Stars shirt for a Rangers shirt. But we're both repping our teams. That's That's how it should be over the holidays. I'm so excited. We have signed Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson over the last 12 hours that I can't contain my excitement. As you can tell. I didn't see the Lance Lynn. Former Texas Ranger Lance Lynn. And uh, he is now of fame for being the first pitcher ever to give up four home runs in a row in the playoffs, right? I don't know if that's uh, – I don't know if that's the guy you want. He was He was also involved in the 2013 World Series against the Rangers where the bullpen mix-up happened. And he had to come in yeah. without throwing a pitch. Yeah, that's him. So, yep. yeah, happy days. But at least we're talking about Notre Dame football coming off a win, 45-7 over Wake Forest in the 500th game at Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday. And first half, one of those grind your teeth knowing that they're going to win, but it's like, man, I wish this would be a little more pretty. And then in the second half, you know, the offensive execution and everything involved got a whole lot better, and it was a very enjoyable second half. Yeah, we've seen that before. I know the Central Michigan game comes to mind where it was a slow start, but really the offense actually looked kind of good in that first half, but it was a close game at halftime, and so was this one. I mean, everyone talks about the clock management mishap because that's what it was. I mean, boy, oh boy, I even posted on social media – that was ugly where you spike the ball, you don't get the play in, or the quarterback doesn't know the play, whatever the mix-up was, and then you take a timeout after spiking the ball, and then you have to take your final timeout because your tight end caught a pass that shouldn't have been caught. I mean, that's that's tougher to rationalize in the moment than calling a timeout after a spike. I mean, that is just inexcusable, but Everything went wrong there for Notre Dame at the end, but you still get three points when it was looking like Wake Forest was going to get three points. So a 14 to 10 game turns into 
a 17 to seven game. Thanks to Javante Jean-Baptiste, who's just been an animal for Notre Dame this season with the field goal block, add that to the long list of things that he's done in his one year with the fighting Irish. So I really think Notre Dame used that whole sequence, the good and the bad to springboard into the second half because J.D. Bertrand comes out, forces a fumble. I think it's Riley Mills who falls on it. One play later, Sam Hartman hits Eli Raritan for his first career touchdown catch. Uh, The sophomore, obviously, who's gone through a couple knee injuries in the last couple of years. Onside kick. I know Notre Dame does nothing with that, but it keeps Wake Forest on its heels. And then when Notre Dame gets the ball, the next time it gets it. Mind you, after a fourth down stop by this incredible Notre Dame defense, the Irish score again. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then that was it. I mean, it was game over right there. I think that was 31 to 7. That was game over. The issues with the offense at the end of the first half, you get an onside kick and then you get as conservative as you can be with three runs after that. I want to say I'm yeah. surprised, but you know what? At this point, I'm kind of not surprised. You didn't I run have on that, what, third and 10? Was it like third and 10 or third and 11 and they ran the ball? With Javon Payne of all people? It's I didn't get just- that one. I just feel like I know who they are at this point and what they're capable of doing. And those things just don't surprise me at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just add this, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago on Hey Horka, I'm fully expecting Marcus to do everything he can to keep Jared Parker. I, I fully also expect some very important people around him to maybe to offer an opinion to Marcus to look around a little bit and kind of take a step back and reevaluate a lot of things that have gone on this year. You know, I, I'm still kind of in the camp. I'd be shocked if there's a change, but after the Clemson game and then after watching that first half, Marcus blamed it on a wristband miscommunication. I mean, maybe it is, but this just can't happen going into Texas A&M and Florida State. Everybody can say, well, they got a 12-team playoff. You can afford to lose a couple. I mean, just with some of the mishaps we've seen this year, the margin for error is very slim in college football. And these type of decisions that have gone haywire throughout the year, even in games they won, just it, you're, you're playing with fire a little bit. Yeah, I posted um, an article – it might have been today. It might have been yesterday. My days, this especially with the holiday week, my days are all getting all mess, mixed up. But I can show this to the YouTube audience if I could find it. Here we are. And this is just the tease for the article. It is a premium article. So um, to read it, you would have to subscribe to blueandgold.com, which I advise everyone to do. Uh, we're covering Notre Dame football like anybody else. But let me try to pull this up here. Um, yeah, here's the tweet. Let me try to expand this for you guys as well, if I can. Maybe I can't, but I don't know. You could see some people already responding down there, and I'll read the tweet off for both the uh, people who are listening via podcast and then the people who are watching as well. I said Notre Dame is number five in defensive yards per play and number 10 in offensive yards per play. Georgia, last year, 15-0, and 0, was number 15 and number five, respectively. So I pose the question, why aren't the Irish a national title contender with numbers like those? Because those are national championship numbers. If you're a top 10 team in both yards per play offensively and yards per play defensively, you should not be a three-loss football team. And the reason I bring this up is to go back to the point that you made, Darren. A lot of people in the comments were saying it's a coaching thing. Notre Dame got outcoached in the biggest games, in the biggest moments, had blunders in the biggest moments. I mean, we don't even need to say anything more about 10 men on the field, but that, that cost you a football game. And there were other moments in that game that, I mean, there were some execution things in that game that cost Notre Dame that game too. Don't get me wrong. But when you put up numbers like that, it kind of falls back on a second year coach head coach. And for all intents and purposes, a first year offensive coordinator, because that's, that's really what Jared Parker is. The West Virginia thing was, 
he was like a half offensive coordinator. This is his first big job, and we could see, you know, the the growing pains and the bumps and bruises that come along with that. Your article led to somebody on my Twitter account to ask me, "What do you think? What's the biggest difference between eight and three and eleven and zero?" And I simply put it like this: the Ohio State game, you have points on the field in the first half, and then there were coaching errors at the end of the game with not putting Audrick Estime on the field, trying to run out the clock, and then the Timmon on the field in back-to-back plays. Those are the biggest reasons why they lost that game. I'll just use Marcus Freeman's words for the Louisville game. He said the football team was not properly prepared. Okay, we move on to Clemson. 100% offensive game plan, game planning, along with play calling and in-game adjustments or lack thereof, cost them that football game. So – You know, you take a look, coaching was mentioned in all three of those losses. It's not everything, but as a fan, that's the last thing you want to hear coaches being involved in the problem when you lose a football game. It just, it feels different. If the football team just plays a lousy game, you know what? You can kind of live with it as a fan, but when you hear coaches say, I didn't have the team prepared, or if we sit here and talk about in-game adjustments and play calling, that's our opinion, and I think a lot of fans feel the same way. That's when it gets really, really frustrating. Yeah. And look, three losses are three losses. That's coaching, but then it's also, as I wrote in that article as well, it's a combination that's not making plays. I mean, your quarterback threw three interceptions against Louisville. That's really hard to win a football game on the road. I mean, I was there. That place was juiced up. That place doesn't really like Sam Hartman, as I came to find out after the game with the people that were running onto the field. They were like – we got you again type of thing uh, with maybe some words that I can't say on this video and on this podcast. (laughs) So they didn't like him and they got him. So you can't look, you can't have 10 men on the field. You can't drop an interception against Ohio state. You can't throw three interceptions Clemson. You can't throw a pick six, but then there's all those coaching moments woven into all of those execution errors, if you will. And when you combine those two things, you're going to get, a team that's really talented, a team that throughout the course of a 60-minute game can put up numbers like I just showed you, but is still going to lose three times. And that's what Notre Dame has. You've got to have a coach overseeing the whole thing that stops both of the bad things in its tracks. You have to have a coach that's not committing the coaching errors, and then you have to have a coach that has the guys galvanized and making sure they're not making those blunders on the field. I mean, that's that's the Dabo Sweeney when he was in his heyday. That thing was a well-oiled machine. It's Nick Saban. It's Kirby Smart. It's even Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh. If you look at the operations of those teams, love them or hate them. I know everybody watching this, every single Notre Dame that's fan that's watching this, the in-game operation of a Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day coached game, it's going to be on another level than what you're seeing here right now. Those guys are veterans at what they do. All right, let's talk about one of our favorite places near the University of Notre Dame that just, I guess, changed addresses and improved their facility. Yeah, they did change addresses. I actually stopped into Augie's locker room yesterday because I made a little magazine uh, drop off. We give him a few magazine articles every sing- or magazine copies every single week. So if you go to Augie's locker room, you will find those there for free, a little code to sign up for Blue and Gold Illustrated. But The new place is fantastic. It's more spacious. I've been to both locations now. Spacious. It feels a little cleaner, a little more put together. I mean, he's got an excellent place. And you can find that new Augie's Locker Room location at 1733 North Ironwood Drive in South Bend. Literally a couple blocks away from where he was before. Just a couple blocks further from Notre Dame campus. Great location. Right in the heart of South Bend. Not downtown, but if you're talking Notre Dame community, it's right there, right across the street from campus. It's no longer Notre Dame football season, so maybe you guys won't be coming to South Bend until the next football season. But if you're coming to a basketball game or a hockey game, whatever it may be throughout the spring, baseball firing up in March, you've got to make time for Augie's locker room. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. You can find exclusive Joe Montana-signed items and famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues around the stadium. Augie gets new items all the time. If he doesn't have it in his store, he will find it for you. Visit Augie at 1733 North Ironwood Drive in South Bend and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. He's got some amazing amazing items. You want to see them. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com. If you're watching the YouTube, that's what you'll find when you go there. 
or call him at 574-277-6363. Yeah, that new store that he's got, fantastic. Can't ask for much more. Before we get to your first question, just really, really fast, uh, Colin has an interesting uh, thought that I wanted to mention. The most glaring issues are in the four-minute drill. Go back and review the poor clock management, play calling, and coaching mistakes, like having Tim in on the field against Ohio State. I actually wish I could watch one practice, and I would like to see how much time is spent on situational football because I think that has been something that has popped up as an issue and maybe something that needs to be relooked at next year going through another season because, you know, situational football in that Ohio State game, that was not executed at nearly a good enough level. And, you know, at the end of some halves, we've seen some issues. So I think Collins onto something and situational football has not been, I would call, a strength of this football team. Yeah, I'll just add one quick thing to that. We glorified the Notre Dame two-minute drill earlier in the year, but that's because they were hitting on every single play. I mean, that Tennessee State drive, one, it's Tennessee State. It's an FCS opponent. But when you complete every single pass, there is no room for clock management. And they didn't have time. I think it was a 53-second. There was 53 seconds left when they got the ball anyway. But there's a difference between hitting every pass and then just keeping keep on going down the field and – what if you're trying to run the four-minute drill, the two-minute drill, whatever it is, and you're not hitting on every single play, and then all of a sudden you're facing a second and ten or even a third and five, and you're taking way too much time to get that play call in or you don't know what you're doing, whether it's you're trying to go fast, 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 or trying to bleed a little clock. And, I mean, that was the Ohio State game. You're trying to keep the ball going, keep the ball um, for yourselves, and you didn't do that. So I agree. I mean <laughs> – we fantasized that two-minute drill way too much at the beginning of the year because it wasn't exactly all we cracked it up to be. Like I said, it was one, it was Tennessee State, and two, you're hitting every single play. Of course it looks good. You're six of six going down the field. Of course. Okay. Let me combine your first question with a super chat from JP who says, Happy Turkey Day, guys. Same to you, JP. Mm-hmm. Does Golden go to Syracuse, which plays into our first question from Irish988. How do you see Al Golden's future with Notre Dame playing out? It's a tricky one, man. I'm on the fence with this. I asked him last night when I saw, and this was Monday night, when I saw Pete Thamel's tweet on Sunday linking him to the Syracuse job, Pete Thamel is excellent at what he does. I trust him as much as any national reporter in college football. So when he throws out a name, he is throwing out a name. But when I asked Al Golden last night, it didn't really sound like he wanted to entertain that. So you could take that a couple of different ways. I will uh, read the quote to you guys. Al Golden, when I asked him last night, I said, hey, your name's been thrown out there for the Syracuse job. And it looked like he wanted nothing to do with that. When I asked that question, he was like, oh, gosh, here we go type of thing. He didn't talk too much about it. And I don't know, Darren, when I read this, I'll ask you, does this make you feel better or worse about retaining Al Golden if you're a Notre Dame fan? Golden said, I think the biggest thing right now is we got our hands full. I mean, that's it. It is all day, every day, trying to win as many games as we can win. Obviously, we have a goal of winning 10. And to do that, we have to win this one. We have to find a way to win this one. So if names are being mentioned, it's because of the success of the staff and the players. And that part of it is humbling. I'm going to stay neutral. I don't know if it really pulls me one way or the other. I mean, he's a veteran coach. He knew what to say in that particular spot. So I don't know if I take anything away necessarily from that quote, good or bad. I just really think it's up to Al what he wants to do because he probably will get a head coaching opportunity. Maybe some NFL. I don't know if defensive coordinator in the NFL. I almost feel like you need to go back to being a position coach, being involved with the everyday process of learning NFL offenses again before you get the coordinator job. I don't know how you feel about that, but Mm -hmm. I just think Al's going to have a lot of choices, and I'm sure Notre Dame will do whatever they can to keep him. If you have to make him associate head coach, give him a pay raise, maybe you do that. I mean, Syracuse, 
Is that the program that you want to go to? It's in the ACC, so there's a lot of winnable games in the ACC. I mean, you're in the Carrier Dome. There's not really a recruiting base around you. It's not like it's, you know, a, a college football area filled with, you know, off-the-chart great prospects. So you're going to have to, you know, recruit across – I don't want to say across the country, but go where you can to get players. I kind of feel like he's better than Syracuse, and I don't want to be disrespectful mm-hmm. to Syracuse. But – yeah, Tyler, I based on that quote, I don't know if I lean one way or the other what he's thinking there, but I just know he's going to have a lot of options. You know what? Good for him because he's done a fabulous job this year. No complaints whatsoever. Devin Conini, I think that's how you pronounce that. Maybe I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Devin, he says, I believe if Golden leaves, Mike, Mick is, Mike Mickens is a serious top candidate for D.C. I think so too, but I've also been pushing back against that Darren a little bit that's an experimental promotion and what are we dealing with at the offensive coordinator spot right now experimental promotion that many think has gone wrong I'm not saying Mike Mickens is not going to be a successful defensive coordinator head coach Marcus Freeman has already said that he thinks he's going to be but I don't think you can afford to make another experimental promotion and if he does that Marcus Freeman is going to get the label of he's already a player's coach. He's going to be a coach's coach because he just keeps promoting his friends, his guy who he has guys who he has history with. He has a history with Jared Parker. They go back to Purdue together. He's got a history with Mike Mickens. They go back to Cincinnati together. I don't. And look, all of that is besides coaching. Like if you're a good coach, you're a good coach and you should promote these guys no matter what. But if it doesn't work, that's when, it's fuel for the fire for people to say, Hey, why didn't you go out and get an experienced guy? Like he has one of those in golden right now. So to get back to golden, I think he's got to keep him at all costs. He's got to like, if I kept saying it and I've said it on your show, Darren, if Al golden is the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame in 2024, major, major, major win for Marcus Freeman, for Notre Dame, for these players that he's going to be coaching. I mean, if that's the case, I think Mike Mickens obviously sticks around because he thinks, okay, I'll just keep waiting it out. I like what I'm doing here. Chris O'Leary, all of those different guys. But yeah, as it relates to Golden, because I know we don't want to spend too much time on all these topics today. I'm going to let you all know this is a shorter show than usual. We're not going to go up to the 90-minute mark. We're going to keep it under an hour. Um, Darren's got some things he's got to do before he gets on the radio at 5. But just to finish up with Golden here, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if his resume is worthy of NFL defensive coordinator right now. So I think if he went back there, he'd have to be a position coach again. And then at that point, you're just kind of on the merry-go-round. I don't know if that's what he wants. College head coach seems more appropriate. But then I agree with you again, Darren. This guy is eight years removed from it not working at Miami. I mean, he was let go of Miami. I think he had like a 27 and 32 record there. It was just under 500. Didn't work. Do you really want to try to go to a lesser ACC program like Syracuse? And I mean, he's 54 years old. It's not like if you're 34 years old and somehow you land the Syracuse job, congrats, man. I hope your career is jump-started and you get to where you want to go. If you're 54 and you've done everything that Al Golden has in coaching football, that seems like a back step and it almost seems like a dead end. Like if it doesn't work out in two years at Syracuse, where does he go from there? I mean, I, I, I think if you're 56 and you're just let go after two years at Syracuse because it doesn't go well, a big program is going to say, Hey, you can come be our DC again, but that's what he is right now. He's a DC at a big program. So it's an interesting spot for golden. Cause it seems like he has a lot of leverage, but he's got to play his cards. Right. Because if you go to a place like Syracuse, you could be the next Dino Babers and you're gone and everybody forgets about you. So Golden's in a really interesting spot. I know it's a little bit of a mess right now, but if there's a program looking for great leadership and stability and bring, you know, a great defensive mind too, you know, if I'm Michigan state, I might be interested in Al Golden because Mm -hmm. he would be a great face of the program amidst of a very dark cloud over the program that to me probably might be more enticing to him, but yeah, the Mickens things is interesting. And I'll just finish with this. 
it's just not we we can't go on YouTube and look up Mike Micken's defensive coordinator highlights. We have no way of knowing if he can do the job. Do I think he probably can? Yeah, but I don't want to think. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a great talent evaluator, Tyler. I mean, this guy is as good as it gets, and he develops his He's players guy. So at a smart. high level. So you don't want to lose him, but you just got to be careful, I think, putting too many experienced guys around this head coach. If it's Ryan Kelly, then I might not be as hesitant, but I'm just a little hesitant right now considering where we are in the process of our head coach learning and developing, you know, himself, what he wants himself and the program to be and executing a lot of things during the game. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say on it is Marcus Freeman has had to do a lot of hiring in two years as Notre Dame's head coach and staff retention, all of those different types of things. There's been a lot on his plate. I don't know if he's done anything better than hire Al Golden when it comes to oh, hiring and yes. retaining. It's the number one, right? Home so run. if you can – number one was hiring Al Golden, and 1B will be if he can retain Al Golden because I'll just keep saying it, and I think it's the last thing I should say. If Al Golden is on staff in 2024, Notre Dame fans, thank your lucky stars because that would be huge. A lot of decisions could be coming up. That's why I asked the question on Twitter on my show like a week and a half ago. I gave four choices, you know, what's going to be the status of the coordinators for Notre Dame next year? Both stay, both go, need to hire an offensive coordinator, need to hire a defensive coordinator. And there are a lot of different answers. I think a lot of people didn't believe Golden was going to lead based on the results, but he has built himself quite a resume this year. And now we turn our attention to another one of our sponsors. Yeah, Barb Stevenson's artwork. Uh, you've heard us talk about her a lot. Look, man, it, Thanksgiving is in two days, which means Christmas is right thereafter. And if you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to get mom for Christmas. I don't know what I'm going to get dad, uncle, aunt, whatever it is. Take a look into Barb Stevenson's artwork. Because if a Notre Dame fan in your life or even yourself is looking for something over the holidays, Barb Stevenson art is your premier destination for stunning pen and ink limited edition prints of the University of Notre Dame. South Bend's own award-winning artist, Barb Stevenson, skillfully captures the essence and beauty of Notre Dame's campus through her intricate pen and ink prints, which she meticulously enhances with hand-painted metallic gold accents, making each print unique and one of a kind. Explore her fabulous selection of prints to discover the perfect piece that resonates with your love for Notre Dame. You see one there. If you're watching the YouTube, I'll show you a couple more in a minute. And she's got plenty more on her website. So go to barbstevenson.com. That's Stevenson with the P-H, B-A-R-B-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N.com. Or call her at 574-210-8388. Again, you're going to find a whole lot of artwork selections to choose from. If you order now, you'll receive free shipping anywhere in the continental United States uh, for the holiday season. And like I said, I'm going to show you a couple more there. That one's the first one that we show because it's probably the coolest. You get the Basilica of the Sacred Heart. You get the Golden Dome, Touchdown Jesus. This one right here, also really cool. If you're a grotto type of person, you got the grotto and then the Golden Dome and the Basilica in the background. This one is just straight on of the Golden Dome. If you're walking around campus, I told you guys last week, I've taken my mom, my sister, both of my brothers. That's the shot right there, right, Darren? When you're walking around campus, you want to get straight on with the Golden Dome. Uh, They regilded it. I I think it looks as gold as it ever has. You've been living here longer than me, Darren. It looks fantastic, especially on a sunny day. And then there's that one with all of the trees, obviously, through the different quads that you can see while you're walking around campus as well. So, Again, I mean, when I was growing up, I was a University of Texas fan, and I couldn't get enough artwork on, like, the the stadium or the tower, whatever it is. I know all of you guys are Notre Dame fans. You cannot get enough Notre Dame artwork on your walls. Free shipping through barbstevenson.com right now for the holidays. I, I think that's a tremendous gift. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Tyler Horka, Darren Pritchett with you. Hey, Horka, here on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. We'd love for you to subscribe to the channel and like this particular video. Question number two today in Hey Horka, and this comes from KCND Miss 97. Why did the Notre Dame offense look so creative versus Wake Forest compared to how it struggled in previous games? I'm not going to lie. I think these coaches hear the noise, and I wrote about that at blueandgold.com. I mean, they're human beings, Darren, just like you and I. I write about Notre Dame athletics, but I also consume it. I see what everyone else says. I hear the questions. Marcus Freeman's taking, I don't know, how many questions does he get every press conference? We all get two questions, and there's probably 10 to 15 people who ask a question in a press conference. I mean, this guy's dealing with upward of 30 questions every single Monday, and then he takes more on Thursdays. Jared Parker, he sat down with us last night. He's, he's with us for about 10 minutes once a week. They hear what we're writing about. And Jared Parker has alluded to this before in his press conferences with us where he says, look, I, I want it for you guys because I know if we get it right, you guys are going to write about us getting it right. If we get it wrong, you're going to write about us getting it wrong. And against Wake Forest, they got it right. Look, I realize Wake Forest is, what are they, a four and seven football team now. They're not very good. Defense is not very good. But what did they throw, Darren? 11 play-action play passes or 13 play-action passes? Eight of 11. Whatever it was. It was more than two, which they threw against Clemson. So, And I thought it wasn't just – I mean, there were some play-action where literally the quarterback just kind of did this number and then pulled it back and threw it. Those worked. But how about the like the naked rollouts and, and getting Sam Hartman out of the pocket? And, I mean, that's how he hit Eli Raritan, I believe, on the touchdown. And so, yeah, I think that – KCND MIS 97. I think that's the word to use was creative. It was, it was almost like we saw the September offense again. Wasn't it Darren? I'm not going to be as complimentary. Okay. This is probably way too negative, but the way that game was called by Jared Parker was more of a common sense play calling. If you're going to pull two offensive linemen, and you're going to run the football like that, what can you do to offset the defense? Every once in a while, you can do play action, boot the quarterback, roll him out to the opposite side, and make a play. I said this on my show this week, that you don't have to throw a 50-yard pass off a of play action. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with picking up six, seven yards. Even changing the eyes of the linebackers and the safety for one play can re-enhance the running game on the next play. So I just remember the Monday night game between Denver and Buffalo. Denver ran it really well, and they weren't taking deep shots down the field. They were doing play action, getting seven, eight yards. Tyler, that's a productive play. And we heard Marcus Freeman talk about what after the Clemson game. Well, we were concerned about going three and out. It's like we didn't want to take the chance. But there's so many rewards to using play action. So you just become less predictable. It was highly productive. I think Irish Sports Daily had their stats, 8 of 11 for 136 and two touchdowns all play action. And that's why I don't want to be rude, but it's kind of common sense. Based on the way that Notre Dame runs the football, play action is highly effective. And I sent a message to a former Notre Dame offensive football player that I respect so much. And when I told him what Parker said about, you know, not doing play action against man, he's like, he just started laughing. And he's like, what is he talking about? When you're against man, you actually create more I've never space. heard that. Yeah, you create more I've space never heard that. with play action against man-to-man -man defenses. So the rationale just did not make any sense. And, again, I, I'm not trying to pile on, but what they did is just common sense what all of us – you know, morons that don't really know how to call a game understand what play action can do for a football team. And my gosh, that was highly effective against Wake Forest. 
Yeah, I just want to point out um, something. I just saw it. Yeah, Mark with glasses. He's got the LeBron uh, fake avatar there, which is funny. <laughs> very, very active in the chat today. Um, he's saying, no, that's not the, that's not the one that I wanted. I don't know. There was a there was a message here about. I don't tell me if you see it, Darren. Where uh, maybe this is the one I was talking about. Anyway, people are saying. Notre Dame only looked good because it was Wake Forest and a trash ACC team. I want to say that this is what we saw against Wake Forest reminded me so much of what we saw against NC State, yes. and that was on the road. Good and by the way, NC State is an 8-3 and three football team. They're number three. Atlantic Coast Conference doesn't have uh, divisions anymore. I'm looking at the standings right here. They're the number three team in the ACC. And that's exactly what we saw against NC State. So if you did that against, well, for one, Duke, I think you would have beat them by more than a touchdown, and it would have been – you didn't wouldn't have needed fourth and 16 or whatever it was in the Audric Estimate touchdown. But if that's the way it looked against Louisville, I think you win that game. If that's the way it looked against Clemson, I think you win that game. So I think this question in this Blue and Gold message board subscriber was onto something because – it, it is a curious question, and there's not a great answer for it. The Notre Dame offense looked different. It looked better. As Darren said, the Notre Dame offense yielded to common sense and accepted that. And what did you get? A very efficient, effective, productive performance. It is interesting, and I, I don't want to give all of us credit. I'm not saying that, but it is interesting. After the Ohio State game, the fan base, and I think we in the media – just couldn't understand why Andre Estime was standing on the sideline on that final drive. He should try to run out the clock. And you look at Estime on the sideline, McCullough has to keep him from running the field. He's jumping up and down. He wants to go in. Mm. And after that, what happens, Tyler? Andre Estime is getting all the important carries in games. Was it because we all talked about it, the fans and the media? I'm not going to give us credit, but I don't think yeah. it hurt. And now after the play action fiasco against Clemson, again, kind of what we in the media and the fans wanted to see more of play action. And it was highly effective against Wake Forest. Again, I don't think it's necessarily a total coincidence. I'm not giving all of us credit, but the antennas are up right now over there in the offensive coaches offices. You mentioned Audrey Estime, So I just want to pull this up. Uh, Doak Walker semifinalist list came out today. 10 nominees. Audric Estime was not one of them. So I sent out a tweet that said Notre Dame Audric Estime was not one of the 10 semifinalists for the Doak Walker Award. Estime is a victim of relatively slim usage. So here's the stat. Of the 17 running backs in the country averaging at least 100 yards per game, and Estime is barely averaging 100 yards per game. He's actually 17 of 17 on that list or tied for 16th. Estime ranks 13th among them in carries per game. So if you gave him more carries, he'd be averaging more yards and he'd probably be one of those 10 semifinalists. Because I think Notre Dame fans were like, what the heck? How is Audrey Gustame not there? Well, 17 guys averaging 100 yards or more in the country and he has the 13th most carries among those guys. Somebody made a point in the media and I can't remember who it was, but when Al Golden didn't make the semifinalist list for the Broyles Award given to the nation's best assistant coach, the reason why he didn't make the list was because of the way the offense played this year. Normally, it's kind of a team award. And it is so interesting that two former offensive coordinators made the semifinalists, Tommy Reese and my all-time favorite, Mike Denbrock. It's just a little salt in the wound, I guess. Yeah, and it, it happens uh... – I've covered Notre Dame for three seasons now. November, December is Notre Dame fans get outraged about awards lists and who's on it and who's not on it season. And we are in full swing of that because Al Golden absolutely has a case. I think he's one of the best coordinators in the country. Audrick Estime absolutely has a case. He's one of the best running backs in the country. But for certain things beyond their control, beyond Al Golden's control, beyond Audrick Estime's control, they're not on there. I know this is something we've touched on on game day sports beat on WSBT radio, but one of our posters was just making mention of the fact that 
would Notre Dame be 12 and 0 with a veteran coaching staff? If BK was here, there we go. ENC, yep. if coaching experience is hurting us so bad, does BK and the staff go 12 and 0? I find that hard to believe. I truly believe they would have beaten Ohio State and Louisville. And I think Clemson was a total miscue on the offensive coaching staff. So I think there's an outside chance they would be 11 and 1 at the end of the year. And I'm not going to say they would go 12 and 0, but I would say it would be a possibility. The argue against that is very fair. And every Notre Dame fan probably is yelling it right now. There were mm -hmm. times that BK lost that big, big game. So there's no guarantee they beat Ohio State. I think right. if you got to the last five minutes where they were, I think a veteran coaching staff pulls that off. Yeah, I agree with completely. It's if the game goes the exact same way and it's Brian Kelly who's on the sideline, I think they win. But if you just drop them in pregame, there could be a chance that Ohio State wins 45 to 21. Like we've seen that story yeah, before, I agree. right? Yeah, so, that's fair. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think they beat Louisville. And I think they probably beat Clemson. I, I think this would be a one-loss football team with Brian Kelly. I mean, it definitely would be a double-digit win football team in the regular season. 10-2 and two would be the floor with this roster with Brian Kelly. It's a playoff-caliber defense without a doubt. And that's frustrating. Yeah. That's really frustrating. Okay, to our third and final Hey Horka question for today. This is from Arrowfan6. This is a fun one. <laughs> What concerns you the most about Steve Angeli as a starter from the limited film we have? I think I will start with what excites me the most because what Jared Parker, and this was a question that I asked Jared Parker, um, really broad open-ended question last night at the media availability. I said, do you know more about Steve now than you did three months ago? And he said, absolutely. And he went into a little anecdote, which I'll pop on the screen here. Here's my tweet. Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker said quarterback Steve Angeli made a check at the line on his TD pass to Jordan Faison. Parker, quote, I didn't call that play. We had a different set on. He checked to the play because he saw man coverage and they brought saw zero, which is a cover zero blitz. And I said, don't sleep on Steve Angeli. That excites me because... That's some cerebral, intangible, I know what I'm doing as a quarterback type of stuff. So that's not what the answer to this question is. The answer to this question, what concerns you the most about Steve Angeli? I'm a little bit fearful that he's just another one of those quarterbacks that Notre Dame has recruited in the last 10 to 15 years that has an athletic ceiling and he just can't push through it. And I'm talking about guys like, Ian Book or Drew Pine even last year. Like you love the kid, you root for him, but there's just a like this is as good as he can get and he can't break through there. He's never going to be in elite like like Bo Nix reinvented himself when he went from Auburn to Oregon and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country and there's clearly something to him. I'm a little bit fearful that Steve Angeli like he is who he is. He's a smart guy. He can make some throws but he's never going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm not saying he needs to be. I actually really like Steve Angeli. People on this program, people on Twitter, I mean, I wouldn't have tweeted that if I don't like Steve Angeli. I think he's a good kid, smart kid, really good football player. But the knock on him has always been, yeah, but is he a championship quarterback? That has to be your one concern. Can he win Notre Dame a national championship? I think there's going to be more people that say no than say yes. I'm somewhere in the middle. But I think, Darren, I've heard you say probably not, right? You don't think he can win Notre Dame a national championship? Well, I don't know if I've ever really been asked that. Uh, I'll say this. I would really want an experienced coordinator with him to help him yeah. through some of the growing pains. I think that's vital. That's vital. I, I just don't think it works in the current environment. I, I will say this, Tyler. If there's something that concerns me, Sometimes everything we see in mop-up roles isn't going to become reality. There were a lot yeah. of Irish fans that were all in on Drew Pine for a time, and they wanted yeah. to see him as the starting quarterback. And when he became the starting quarterback the next year, 
I think he changed a lot of people's minds. I, I guess, Tyler, here's my example. Mm-hmm. You're the starting quarterback and everybody knows it. You're going to play and I'm the backup. If I'm Al Golan facing us, how much time is he spending his defense on me? And we're not the same quarterback. We have different styles. Do you think they are putting in a big-time game plan to stop me knowing that I'm probably not going to play? I just think you got to be careful. People aren't game planning all out yeah. for Steve Angeli right now. They are getting ready for Sam Hartman. And I don't want to discount what he's done because, I mean, Tyler, he's looked fantastic. But oftentimes when you become the focus – People will find things that they can use against you. And I think that his lack of athleticism could be something that could be used against Notre Dame. So I love what he's doing. He is better than I could have ever imagined. I know Mike Singer has loved him from day one. But I think bringing in that veteran fourth scholarship quarterback is vital for next year. I want to have options. And you know what, Tyler, if Steve Angeli beats out fill in the blank, then we're in an awesome, awesome situation. But until you're the focus, I still am a little hesitant. What I'm seeing is reality. Yeah. Devil's advocate. A couple things for me. Devil's advocate would be We've watched enough football, enough college football to see big time blowouts, backup comes in, big storyline, like, oh, what does this kid have? And they look bad. Like I've seen backups come in in garbage time, kids not game planned for, as you said, and he's going out there playing with nothing to lose and he throws a pick or he doesn't move the chains. What I've loved about Steve Angeli is every time he's come in in one of these mop-up duty type situations, you're kind of expecting a touchdown at this point, and that's that's impressive. But then I do agree that you've got to have the veteran in here. They're going to get one. Marcus Freeman said they're going to get one. I trust that. I mean, quarterbacks grow on trees in the transfer portal these days. <laughs> All the apples aren't the same size. There's some bigger than others, tastier than others, a little more crisp than others, but they're going to get one. And Steve Angeli is going to be in a position to compete with whoever that is. I think with the Jack Cohn situation, with the Sam Hartman situation, Steve Angeli is the most positioned backup to actually be able to truly compete with the guy that comes in. And we don't know who that's going to be. I mean, if it's – I don't even want to throw out names. But if it's like established – like Sam Hartman, for example. If Sam Hartman somehow magically the same type of quarterback came in this year and Steve Angeli was competing against that guy, even then – it would be the closest competition because what was the competition this year? It was Hartman versus Angeli a year younger. If you have Hartman versus Angeli a year older, theoretically he's going to have a better chance of actually winning that. And then if you go back to 2021, Jack Cohn, Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, you know, the three-way competition there. It was really Jack Cohn, Drew Pine, I guess. That was never, that was never a competition. This one could actually be a competition. And that's credit to what, Steve Angeli's done. He is literally, he can't do anything but do what he's done in these games that he's yeah. come in yeah. and he's done it. So that's really all I've got to say on that. That's a credit to him. I think we do know more about Steve Angeli. I think he's a gamer. My one concern is, is he a championship quarterback? Is he a guy like, I know Notre Dame fans go to sleep at night sometimes and they envision Notre Dame, the one hoisting that, whatever that trophy is, that CFP trophy. You know, the confetti coming down. Is Steve Angeli the guy that you see doing that? But that I, when I thought about that, I mean, George is the one that's done it the last two seasons. Did anyone ever think Stetson Bennett was the guy that was going to be hoisting that trophy? No. George is obviously recruited at a crazy level and is coached at a crazy level, so that's different. But, I mean, if you plopped Steve Angeli onto those Georgia teams, I think Georgia still has a chance. So I, th- I think he's actually a really good quarterback. I, I was thinking, and s- some of our viewers were kind of saying the same thing. We have to be really careful about that first game next year at Texas A&M. And if Angeli's your starting quarterback, that's his first start. 
we all know that from year to year, teams get better and worse. We don't know who's going to leave in the portal, who teams are going to add. But the schedule in between A&M and Florida State looks very manageable. And when we start thinking about big picture items, resumes for the 12-team playoff, there's not going to be a lot of oomph because everybody's talking about, well, Michigan's schedule. I mean, they might have that same discussion about Notre Dame next year. And if you lose to Texas A&M, you have to beat Florida State. 10-2 and two yeah. against that schedule, losing to A&M and Florida State. Tyler, I don't know what the rest of the country is going to do, but that's probably not going to work. We think 10-2 and two will get them in the playoff, but that schedule, the teams are going to be who we think they are. You better beat Texas A&M. And if Steve Angeli is your guy, that's his first start. It's it just that game just seems extra large. And I hate to put extra emphasis on the first game of the year, but just based on the middle part of the schedule, there's not much that the committee is going to say, wow, they beat this team. It might be Louisville, Florida State, A&M. And gosh, I don't know if I can say USC at this point, but there just doesn't seem to be many opportunities to stuff the resume, making that A&M game vital. So you got to get the quarterback right in that first game. Yeah, and Steve Angeli, put it this way, he's the flavor of the week right now. Tyler Buckner was the flavor of the week, not exactly at the same time because he still hadn't returned from injury, but leading into the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, all the talk was, hey, is Tyler Buckner going to be our starting quarterback next year? Like, can, can he be the guy? But then Sam Hartman came in, and, I mean, we were still talking about Tyler Buckner because he was still here until April, but not – in a sense of, hey, he's going to be the starting quarterback. We're hypothesizing Steve Angeli being the starting quarterback right now because he's all we got to talk about. But once someone else enters the fold, it can be, okay, yeah, that that's probably the better option. This guy's going to start against Texas A&M. So I just think Notre Dame fans should feel a little bit comfortable knowing that this guy has a little bit to him, like he's got a little bit in the tank. And we know that more than we did three months ago because – if he is starting at Texas A&M, it's not, holy crap, we have no idea what we're getting. You kind of know a little bit. I would love to see him. Let, let's end this video and this podcast on this. Boy, I would love to see him play some some third quarter reps, some maybe even Sam Hartman just says, you know what, and this is a different conversation entirely because I do think Notre Dame getting to 10 wins is very important. And if Sam Hartman's the guy that's going to get you 10 wins, he should play every ounce of the bowl game. But in an alternate world where Sam Hartman doesn't play every single ounce of the bowl game and Steve Angeli is getting first quarter and second quarter reps against an SEC defense, he's going to be playing an SEC defense in College Station if that's the case in August or September. I think that would be pretty crucial going into 2024. The best of both worlds, I'll say this. The best of both worlds is if Steve Angeli does play way more in that bowl game than we've ever seen him play. And Notre Dame still wins it and still gets to those 10 wins. It'd be like, holy cow. We know what this guy is more than we ever did. And we're a 10 win football team. That's, a, you know, as soon as we lost to Clemson, that's the best that we could have ever had. And we got it. I'll close with these two quick thoughts. Number one, if they do in fact bring in that fourth scholarship quarterback, I hope Steve competes. He could very easily go somewhere else and maybe be a starting quarterback somewhere. That's a legitimate possibility. Maybe he's far enough along at Notre Dame. He's like, am I ever going to get the shot? So maybe you go somewhere else. I hope he holds on. I hope he competes. The second thing is this. I hope Irish fans stay tuned to blueandgold.com and my radio station, wsbtradio.com, right after the Stanford game. Because the week after the Stanford game, is a very important week for Marcus Freeman. He's got to know after the Stanford game if Jared Parker's his coordinator or not. Because you got the transfer portal starting. And Tyler, you know, you got to have your ducks in a row before you start talking to quarterbacks and bringing them in for conversations or having these talks. You have to know what your offensive room is going to look like because you might get some tough questions. From those quarterbacks. If you're going to keep Jared Parker, you better have your answers ready. And if he's going to move on from Parker, it's got to be quick because that portal, it's going to happen quick, Tyler. And the fighting Irish are 
you know, want to get the best player possible. So it just seems like could be a very newsy week if he's going to make a call. Oh, I, I am fully anticipating a newsy week. I'll just say that. And I will, the last thing I'll say is on game day sports beat a couple games back, you asked us to rank the most, the five most important things that Notre Dame needs to see happen to have success in 2024. My number one was the marriage between offensive coordinator and quarterback has to be right. It can't be some on the rocks relationship that resembles a shotgun wedding and the divorce is imminent type of thing. You know, it can't be, holy cow, this is never going to work. It has to be set in stone. This is a good relationship. It's going to work. Marcus Freeman needs it. This football team needs it to try to make the college football playoff. The offense needs it. And look, Marcus Freeman might be trying to hire a new offensive coordinator, and he might be trying to get his quarterback from the portal. That's a grabby situation, and he needs to get it right. So I fully, fully agree with you. What happens in the five weeks starting as soon as the Stanford game ends through the end of December in that transfer portal window? Huge, 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 huge for this football team. And Drew just asked, does Hartman play in the bowl game? Absolutely. He's got no draft status that would change that. If you're a first or a second round pick, that's different. But, I mean, right now he's late round at best, maybe a free agent signee. So he's got to put more play on tape against maybe an SEC opponent. So, I mean, Tyler, that's a no-brainer. He's got to play in the bowl game. Estimate maybe the story – if he truly is the number two running back in the draft, according to Mel Kuyper, if I'm Estime, I'm probably not playing in that game. Estime, no. I do not expect him to play in the bowl game. It'll be like Kyron Williams. Sam Hartman, it'll be like Jack Cohn. He's playing, just like he played against uh, Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. He's playing. Knowing an offensive lineman, Alt will want to play because I think he loves playing for Notre Dame. And but man, Yeah, linemen are different sometimes. That'd be a right. tough conversation. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Hey Horka for today. Again, happy Thanksgiving to one and all. And Tyler, good to be with you. And we'll, who knows, we might have some news early next week when we try <laughs> another Hey Horka. We might. We might. I'm going to eat some turkey between now and then, though. I don't know about you. Well, you've got your Cowboys to look forward to on Turkey Day. So yep. you shall enjoy that. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today. For Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, I'm Darren Pritchett from WSBT Radio. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Hopefully you have the Pac-12 network, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Irish. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 